Hey everyone, it's Rob with Four Songs. You know, what's fun about this podcast, it's taken me on some pretty incredible journeys, and sometimes it's actually taken me back, back in time a bit. And this one is an example of that, and let me tell you a little bit why. So, 20-some years ago, my friend Alex and I were on a road trip to Nashville, and this is before I was married, so we were doing a bachelor night, well, a week, I guess is a better way to put it, and we were just going to different bars, going to different clubs. And that's the first time I saw Scott Miller. My buddy has been on this podcast a couple of times, was on this trip to Nashville. So it was memorable for a number of reasons. But on one of our nights downtown, and if you've been to downtown Nashville, you know there's just a bunch of bars on that Broadway stretch and you can just kind of hop to each one. You hear a lot of cover songs. You hear a lot of Nashville songs, stuff you can pretty much hear anywhere. But obviously these people are really good at it because they wouldn't be in Nashville otherwise. One thing you're not going to hear is a lot of original music. And this is on that stretch of Broadway where you have a lot of the well-known clubs. But anyway, one night we walked into a bar. I couldn't tell you which one it was. And there's a guy playing named Willie Heath Neal. He stood out to me because he did play a lot of original music, and he was really funny. You could kind of tell he had a look on his face like he didn't really want to be there. He knew he was a little bit better. And playing a lot of these places, even though, like like I said earlier, you do got to be pretty good to be playing that stretch of Broadway. But what's even funnier is about a year or so later, my wife, before we were even dating, the same trip that we did, and ended up seeing Willie Heath Neal on that same bar that we saw him at. We didn't know we were at the same place until years later when she whooped out a CD of his and put it on. And I said, oh my gosh, I think I saw that guy when I was in Nashville. So it's funny what love does to people and how it can connect and how it can just rekindle things that maybe you didn't know had happened. And I don't know what I meant by that other than to say that here I am 20 years later and I'm featuring Willie Heath Neal and his wife, Kira Annalise, in this episode of Four Songs. Now their journey together is not a unlike how I discovered Willie and my wife did too. Like I said, it was just sort of this cosmic thing where we were both at the same bar, not at the same time, but seeing the same band. In this case, Willie, as you know, had been playing Nashville for a while, had been in punk bands, country rock bands, and by the time he met Kira and Elise, he was pretty much done. He had had moderate success, but was just kind of sick of the deal. And then, kind of an off-chance meeting one night, he played a gig and Kira was in the audience and she just fell instantly head over heels. Eventually she met him and then they started writing songs together. And you know, at the time, Willie had kind of run out of ideas, whereas Kira was just discovering how gifted of a songwriter and singer and guitar player she was. So naturally they started a band. They got together, started a duo called The Waymores. And just last month, The Waymores' second album called The Stone Sessions came out. It's on all streaming platforms. You can get it. Go check them out at thewaymores.com or Amazon or wherever you get your music these days. As you may have guessed, Willie, having been a veteran of Nashville, he loves country music, and The Stone Session is a country album, but it is old-school country. It's Johnny Cash country. It's Waylon Jennings country. It's Hank Sr. country. We talk about four songs from The Stone Sessions, Even When, Batshit Crazy, Roll That Chain, and I Don't Like the Liquor. Uh, there is a bit of sadness in this because the producer of The Stone Sessions, Steve Stone, who's also their incredibly gifted steel guitar player, he passed after the after this album was made. Couple other things here. The internet connection gets a little spotty at times. Just stick with it. It works out. You might hear my dogs running around at some point. I had to do something with them and they weren't going to just sit quietly. So, what the hell? Dogs just bark. What am I going to do? The most important thing I want you to do is just to dig in, 
grab a beer, sit back and listen and enjoy our uh, fun, hell of a conversation with Willie Heath Neal and Kira Annalise. Please welcome the Waymores to Four Songs. Great to Thanks be here. Thanks for having us. So you know, we're two years in this pandemic and that's when I started doing this podcast. So what's life been like for you all for the last couple of years? Ooh, um, well, when the pandemic hit, like before the pandemic hit, we were set to step foot on a plane like two days after everything went down. Obviously, everything got canceled. The world got canceled. We were regularly touring about 200 days a year. We were on our way to the UK tour. That's what I was trying to say. So it was really heavy for us at first. It was really hard to imagine a life outside of being a touring act and being at home all the time and really not knowing what to do with ourselves. But in hindsight, it's been kind of a blessing, just the time at home, not Corona. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's been a blessing because it gave us the opportunity to be artists again, which you didn't get a lot of uh, while being on the road. The dogs are adorable. I, you don't get a lot of that opportunity while you're touring and while you're on the stage to create and make music together. So it, it was really kind of a blessing in that regard. So we made, you know, we made an album during the pandemic and as it started to, you know, get less and less intense. And we've, we've been getting back to, we right before October last year, she had to have vocal cord surgery. We were going pretty hard and heavy. And then we had to take three months. We had to take three months off for her to recover. But we've come back. You know, it's been a slow build back, but we feel almost back to normal. Almost. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's getting there. It's getting there. So, I mean, it seems like we, you mentioned recording an album. And we'll be talking about that later on. And what was it like, though, when you first started recording during and writing, I guess, during the pandemic? I mean, did this, did it just the isolation, did that affect you in any different way than? what life would be like normally? Yeah, there's a couple of songs on the album that are about just that, just about missing different things on the road like that you didn't think you would miss, like a traffic jam and things like that. So there's definitely some references in this album to how we felt, but it's more so things. So like before the pandemic hit, we would have like little notes in our phone about like this line here or a verse here or a chorus here. So we kind of hit some of those and finished writing them. And then we would also just drink on our front porch and be silly and write some just based on that. So it's kind of an amalgamation of a bunch of things. Yeah. And we thought we would just go in and record one song. We knew that we could do everything remotely. So we thought we would just do one song and we thought, you know, it would take a lot longer than it did and that we would do that just to have something to do to occupy our minds during the lockdown because you know everybody could track from home and send it in but once the, it was so easy to do that one song after we, we recorded it we thought now is the absolute perfect time we've got a system down now to make a record remotely because everybody just did it for this one track so let's go ahead and take the plunge and start making another record so it absolutely we probably it wouldn't have been coming out right now probably if the lockdown hadn't happened then forced sure. us to write it and make it it was like the world just said you have to stop and be an artist now, you know, even though it's a lot more sinister than that. That's kind of how we've internalized it. Yeah, because yeah, some people I was talking to early on were, were just saying that the, the way when they everything first started to hit, it changed how they processed information and just ideas because that's true. not having yeah. a normal lifestyle. Yeah. You know, that that is very true. It was hard. I think harder at first and easier as time went on, as most things are, where you kind of 
just accepted your fate a little bit, you know, like at first we were told it was two weeks and then two more weeks and then six weeks. And then, you know, uh, uh, so you kind of just got used to the, oh, this is how we're going to live now. So then when the time came that places started to open up a little bit, we were just so thrilled for the opportunity to be back at what we were doing and what we love. That was kind of what I wanted to, to get into a little bit is, you know, this, your new album, the stone sessions, which comes out in April is pretty steeped in, in country, but I know you've been doing all different types of music like from punk to alt country rockabilly to what have you. So in terms of just both you, Willie and you, Kira, just what, in terms of writing, like what have, what lessons, what have been your most, who have been among your most influential songwriters? And, and then I guess even going before that, like what got you into this in the first place? You want to talk about some of our influences and I'll talk about technique or you want to switch that? Oh, you go ahead. You talk about technique. Well, talk about okay. our... us together. I know that we're obviously, you know, with the name, the Waymores, uh, we're big Waylon Jennings fans, but at our live show, like the most covered artist is probably John Prine. We both are pretty obsessed with John Prine's writing, which hopefully the people that listen to Stone Sessions can hear. Towns Van Zant, you know, he's the, one of the most prolific songwriters to, to have ever lived in our opinion. You know, I got a lot of my songwriting influence uh, and inspiration from Willie. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't write songs before I met Willie. I didn't know how to play a guitar before I met Willie. Wow. I was a singer in a little band. She fell for my evil plan. <laughs> <laughs> I was just singing in a band, doing cover songs, and I met him and just fell in love uh, right away. And I had to have it. I had to have him and the music and the life and all of it. Here we are 14 years later. And so those are, you know, we channel some of those influences, you know, when we're writing, but there are several aspects or rules or not rules that we engage by. You know, one of them is we have this kind of belief that uh, you don't really write them. You're kind of just an antenna and you receive the songs. The songs are just all over the place in the universe, you know, the life you lived conditioned your antenna to receive a certain kind of song. So, you know, I had, as you know, you know, a career before Karen and I met. And in fact, you know, I was full throttle at it when Karen and I first met, but I always prided myself on being a songwriter, man. They were, you know, they came out of me just like nonstop, you know, in my early days, but right, right around when I met Kira and she started writing and I had, my antenna was broken. My song well had dried up. I hadn't written a good song and I would do things that were breaking my cardinal rule. Like don't be contrived, just receive the song. You know, it's like, I'm going to write a song about this and that's not how I work, you know? So I was like, I just couldn't write. I, it was, I was done. I was so aggravated by it. And they, she was at a point in her life where they were just flowing out of her. She would be like, I wrote this song. She was just learning. She learned three chords on the guitar, you know, then would come, back with like five songs that all kicked ass and they were all brilliant. Then I would say something like, okay, when I try to write a song with only two chords in it, she'd come back with five more songs, you know, just, <laughs> they were all brilliant. And so finally I got to the point where she's like, Hey, I wrote another song. You want to hear it? I'm like, no, I don't want to hear another damn brilliant song you wrote. I haven't written a song in three years. I don't, you know? So, <laughs> but then one day this weird thing happened where Kira said, hey, I've got this song uh, I wrote today. Check it out. This song is Matches, by the way. She's like, I've got these great lyrics, verses, but I don't have any idea what to do for a chorus. And so she played it, and I had, I was like, ding. 
I have this course I've been carrying around in my head for 20 years. I had, you know, how to play it. I had it. It's like I've never been able to find a song for it to go into because I don't believe in forcing that crap in, in a, you know, I just, it's never worked with anything. And it's a great course. It, the course itself would have made a song, but I still didn't want to put it with just a bunch of crappy verses, a catchy chorus, you know, I wanted. So when she showed me the verses she had written for matches, I was like, oh my God, I've got a course that I've been carrying around for 20 years that'll go in there perfectly. Well, I guess kind of going back even deeper though, like what was the moment when you realized both of you that, I guess, curious, sounds like you learned to write songs after being with Willie, but Willie, like when did the light bulb go off for you that this is what I want to do? That's a great question, man. Man, so <laughs> check it out. Yeah, <laughs> I'll wake you up when I'm done, babe. <laughs> well, man, the funny thing about this is for me, I'm an artist on a lot of levels. You know, I draw and I do a little bit of, you know, painting. I was an illustrator before I started my music career. But anytime I created art in that realm, it never gave me like any kind of closure, like any kind of personal insights or anything. It wasn't until I wrote a song and put it to music that like a calmness came over me. Like I imagine an artist who's a great painter, you know, looks at the painting when he's done and sees all these things about himself in that painting, gives him some kind of closure. When I wrote a song, I was like, man, that's exactly how I feel. And I could never say those words just speaking them. You know, but when I put a guitar in my hand and put a melody behind it, I was like, you know, so it changed me, saved me. I mean, fixed a lot of things with me. It was the first of all my artistic capacities. Songwriting is the only spiritual one. It's the only one that. When was that? Mm, that's a great question. <laughs> I'm taking it over yeah, now. That was after my stint. So that would be mid late nineties, I had written a couple of songs in punk rock bands, but they never gave me that feeling of when I wrote my first country song, I finished a song that my mother had started writing before she passed. I took her lyrics and turned it around a little bit, but put a chorus to it. And that was one of the most fulfilling things I had ever done. You know, like, ah, I didn't I, know that. that's when I realized that song, I'm a songwriter. It's in me. I know. Uh, and then shortly after that, once I tap that they started just coming out of me like they were you yeah. when I met you you know so you can understand that mm -hmm. I was like oh my god and that that sense of I really created something here and then when you put that on a record or somewhere and then go play a show and people are singing that song back oh, to yeah. you that's like the and, you know it's a lot better than people standing around screaming at a painting you did <laughs> <laughs> for sure you know that feeling was just something you know no drug no, any kind of you for no anything has ever given me and i'm sure she can relate to mm -hmm. that feeling back to you kara <laughs> <laughs> i wrote a song about willie yeah <laughs> uh, and i i was married at the time so i had to have hide his name in the title so the title was we had nothing and it was whn yeah. willie heath neal <laughs> Clever, clever. And then she wrote my name on her notebook. <laughs> and then I wrote Kira Neal and Drew Hearts all around it. So it was really about, for me, it was just kind of learning the process. Like I hadn't even really heard real country music before I met Willie. When that one time that I, when I first met him and fell immediately head over heels, he was playing Junior Brown's Hung It Up on stage with his full band. <laughs> I still remember all of yeah. this. Um that's and funny. so when I heard that, I was like, holy moly, that is quite a song. Uh, so I just went home and started researching everything. And so I was, I, when I learned three chords, so when I went back the next week, he was there playing music and I would watch his hands. 
And I, I learned three chords. I learned G, C, and D that night. And I went home and I stayed up all night long and I wrote that first song uh, with three chords. Uh, it was, it was life changing. And then like right out of the gate, I was like, I have to write 30 more. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, so speaking of, of still doing it, we'll talk about the Stone Sessions, which was written and recorded during the pandemic. And so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about each yep. song and how maybe the pandemic kind of crept in. But what, what's great about it is that you know, we've kind of hit that point where there are albums coming out that were written and recorded, but this doesn't sound like a pandemic project. And, you know, it yeah, sounds like that old time that, that feel that like, this is, this is timeless. And well, thank how, you. how did like, but that has to be hard to, to do in, in an unprecedented kind of environment. So how did you maintain, how was that? How did you do that? Well, so one of our rules before I turn the microphone over to Karen. <laughs> oh my God, uh, I'm going to get to talk. Well, no. So even like when some of these songs were coming about and we would put lines in them that would be like, that's too specific. We need you to have the feel of it mm -hmm. being in the pandemic, but we're not going to make a novelty song by actually mentioning that. We've got one great song, Quarantine, that is so great, but it's like, it's just a novelty thing and we don't do that. So we went out of our way to make sure it's like, hey, we need to rephrase this so it's not, it leaves a little bit to the imagination. It's like, if you've been through the pandemic, you knew what it was talking about, but we want it to be timeless. We don't want, you know, when we're dead and gone, somebody hears that song is like, what was this pandemic they're talking yeah. about? And, yeah, know. I think we do that with all of our songs, regardless of what's going on in the world. So for instance, even when was, uh, when I first started writing it, it was very specifically about one circumstance and one person. And then I think I was only like a few lines in when I was like, hey, Willie, listen to this. He brought his insight into it because it's it talks about letting go of people that just aren't really worth missing. I don't miss none of my friends that left me high and dry back then. If you're sitting home just to wonder in. I don't miss you. I don't miss you even when. Walking alone in the cold, cold wind. So you might be sitting around thinking like, man, I miss that person. But really, in reality, you miss like the times you had or or this. You're still it's still a relevant reason why that relationship is no longer in your life. So he brought that kind of insight into the songwriting process. And so we shifted it a bit and made it where it can be relatable by anybody, not just this one person that knows this person that annoyed the crap out of me. Anybody that has ever had a relationship that went wrong but that person still means something to you can relate to this song. So we did that kind of thing with every song on the album ish. Yeah. There's still a couple that uh, I've already had one be called novelty by, yeah. by a critic. <laughs> so it's there. Uh, it's fluid throughout, but we do get, sometimes it's just worth being specific. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, songs are specific. If you're talking about, you know, like a, you know, it's a story song with one person that, you know, Johnny went through this. Johnny took his guns of town and this happened to Johnny. Uh, but, you know, like when we were writing, even when it was easy to start making it about this one person. Right. Even if you try to make it a little vague. It still is like, ah, you know, there's so much more 
you can do with that if you make it more ambiguous. And yeah. uh, because a big part of art is is subjective, right? So you paint your story around the lyrics and melody to this song, and if you take away too much of that and make it about a specific person, it takes a lot of your self-imagination out of the song, right? So you don't, the beautiful part about art is that you can look at it and it's all about you. That's what heals you with yeah. it, right? You know? Yeah. So, but even when uh, this, to me, this kind of starts <laughs> out with like a, a Dolly Parton with that beginning, the, the drum beat and then your voice, Kira. Was, oh, was yeah, that, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Sometimes right. I don't know if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm like way off base with some of these things. So it just had no, to remind me. I love me that of, reference. Okay. Yeah, because so... I guess using that kind of going into more detail. I mean, I like the lyrics are, are, are pretty clever and it's funny how it just seems like even though we're trying to say, I don't really miss you, but I kind of miss you. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's exactly what I was going through at the time. And what made me start writing it was uh, I really don't want to miss this person. Why do I still miss this person? So that's kind of where that, you know, all rooted from. And like I said, Willie came in and, and kind of gave his perspective, you know, a bit like, oh, well, I've had this instance happen to me that's really similar. So I would say this about it. And, uh, you know, or or I remember we wrote it in here in this. This is our yeah. bedroom here that we're in. Usually in the writing process, and it, it happened in this one, he writes his verses and I write mine. And then we kind of come together on the chorus and then we'll, you know, get judgy with each other's verses. And yeah, we'll do the word volley. Like, you know, the better word for that is this. Nope. This, 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 you know, all right. We agree on that. Yeah. So that, that's kind of how even when came to, came to be. So when you were putting this together, it was this like, you you wrote it, the music and the lyrics at the same time, or did you kind of both have, you had the music set or how did that. Yeah. Yeah. It was both at this, for this one, it was both at the same time. Yeah. Our writing process, I'm just having this realization here as we speak live. So we write a lot with, you know, vocal melody. So that's why, you know, so when we start writing lyrics, we start putting a melody to the lyrics and we kind of just play that on guitar, you know, very seldom, but we do at times, you know, we'll try to put a different melody over a different chord melody, you know, uh, but that's very hard to do for my, how I write, you know, I'm a very melodic person, but so a lot of times, the melody of the song, people always ask, did you write the music or the words first? I'm like, well, how we write, it's kind of at the same time Let's because them together. we put a melody together yeah. to the lyrics as we start and just play that progression on the guitar, you know? So in terms of the music and what I love, I also love the, the pedal steel. I understand that Steve Stone was your producer and he plays a lot of that. Did he do the pedal steel for this one? Does he yeah, play? he did steel on every track. Yeah. Yeah, yeah his input was it's very, just very, beautiful what he did he was incredible to us and unfortunately it was there that we found out about his cancer because so I had vocal nodules throughout the entire recording process of stone sessions and so we would skip ahead on some tracks and record you know vocals that really shouldn't have been placed there right off the gate yeah. but it was because I, I knew I only had so long to record them so before uh, surgery before surgery 
So Steve thought that he had them too. And he was like, oh, I'm having this kind of pain. I was like, yeah, that sounds really similar. And I sent him to my otolaryngologist and uh, they scoped him and just riddled up one side and down the other with cancer. And we were really hoping that Steve would make it to the street date um, on Friday, but he passed away about a month ago. And uh, one thing that will live forever rent free in our minds is that his family told us he died thinking that this album was going to take us to the top that all of us would just hit the big time for it. Yeah. And regardless of how things turn out, we're just thrilled that that was in his head. And, you know, we are, it's, it's going to live on as, as being in the big time for us. Cause Steve felt it. Yeah. You said that you were gonna, uh, we were going to discuss that shit crazy anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We can do that. Yeah. Next. And um, yeah, I love that. It's a fun one. And I'm first sorry to hear about Steve's passing. So I don't thank you very much. Sorry that we interrupted that one. So yeah, so batshit crazy, and this is a fun one. And yeah, so have you ever seen? Are you on social medias like Facebook and stuff? Yeah. yeah, Okay. Well, on my feed, there's a lot of folks that every other week or so, or every month or so, they meet the newest love of their lives, Uh, and they're like, "Oh, this is the love. He's the one. She's the one. We're gonna get me." And then all of a sudden, it's over. And the following week, they meet the new love of their life, and it's always the one. So batshit crazy is kind of about those people. It's too early to tell you that I'm crazy, so I'll take it for a week or two. That was a fun one to write. It really was. We were really channeling some John Prime. This was we were writing this about the time John Prime passed. Oh, really? I don't yeah. think I realized that yeah, uh, at the time. Yeah. Which was so devastating to us to be. Had we been able to go out and play, we probably mm-hmm. could have dealt with that easier because yeah. you mourn your loss of your songwriting heroes by singing their songs. Yeah. But we, I, we channeled the whole, you know, pictures of us did uh kissing dance of Barefoot in the kitchen, dance of Barefoot in the kitchen. I was like, that is so John Prime. It was, we were on the front porch writing that one with our dogs. We, we did a lot of front porch sitting and front porch drinking during the quarantine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but Bad Shit Crazy came about then. And uh, it's got one of our favorite solos I was, I was just thinking on that. the entire yeah. album. Steve does this little it's like an shout and response thing. Yeah. And he'll bang, 
narrow, 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 narrow. And that's, <laughs> that's uh, really good. Yeah, uh, but it's like a shot and response thing, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. That's one of my favorite solos on the whole record. Yeah, it is my favorite solo on the whole record. And it's so, it seems so calm and almost unfitting at first for the lyrics. But I love that contrast of like, these are, it's like potty mouth central yeah. the song is. And, you know, we say all the bad words, you know, it's talking about this, you know, crazy relationship and somebody getting stabbed in the kitchen. And, yeah. Uh, because we all know these, we know people like this. Yeah, yeah. all of these like kind of crazy moments and it has this stunning steel solo that's just so soft and yeah. melodic and just yeah, I just mean it's beautiful. just beautiful it's and not it's a, so unfitting, but it fits perfectly in the song. And another beautiful thing about Steve Stone is there's it's the only you know, everything else in the song is kind of manic, mm -hmm. kind of panicky, kind of aggressive, you know. Steve's solo is the only calm thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah. you know, and it's yeah. really works. It really brings it back down, you know, brings the mood back down after yeah. all of that, you know, kind of calms you down, that comes right back in with more crazy. So yeah, so roll that chain, and we were talking about this earlier when I got the name wrong uh, about <laughs> it reminding me of an Elvis song, "Mystery Train." Wow, that's great! It's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, the, the chug, chug, chugging, the drumming. I think it, and it just has that. Even though the, it's not structured the same way, but I think just the roll that chain, the the, the repeating of that, and the, the the background vocals, I think do add that element to it. So, how did this one? come to you and, and I'm gonna blow it here but Steve Stone wrote this song okay. um, yeah and uh, he really really wanted us to cover it and we needed a track that Willie sang lead on, lead on. just and me it was very if you've listened to uh, Willie's stuff before the Waymores this is a very Willie Heath Neal song so it was very fitting and uh, I got to be all hillbilly gospel in the back. We went a lot more gospel with it than yeah. Steve Stone's Steve's, demo of it. Yeah, we, his, 
original was not as gospel as we made it. Yeah. Uh, but we both just loved it. And I wasn't huge in the recording process of this. I literally just came in and did my, so we'll go back to you, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did. Well, first, her her backup vocal wasn't supposed to be so prominent, but as we got to recording this, her voice is just incredible, you know? We were just like, man, I need you to be Aretha Franklin back there, just, you know, yeah. in church, you know, just pout, you know, pounding this thing out. And she did. And that, that made it sound more like a way more song, too. You know, it's like, let's bring her, you know, I want her vocal to be more dominant because we did several to give it that gospel feel. You know, we did several vocal takes, you know, to make it sound like big and full back there. But I was like, you got to bring Kira up more. It, you know, makes it sound more like a way more song. And I think she outshines me with all her. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> you do. You got yeah. that roll that chain. Uh, but Steve wrote the song, had a little uh, demo of it that he had done himself. And it was just kind of straight up psychobilly thing, but the lyrics are great. You know, uh, even though roll that chain is not by any means, any kind of real nautical term it's one he made up, but still I got it. You know, it's like, it's still good, man. So we took it, added, you know, I added a a turnaround, not really a turnaround in there, but a chord progression in one part of it that he didn't do. We made it a lot more gospel like, mm -hmm. and man, it was a lot of words to remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember like the weeks uh, yeah. leading up to his vocal tracks. He was like, "Holy crap!" I'm what just have walking I around. Yeah, I was like, what have I got myself into? Yeah. yeah, it was tough, and I didn't have to do any of it. Just throw yourself a fucking spine and get up early, stay up late. so much of your time tonight uh i've got Thank one you. last song to, yeah. to chat about that's i don't like the liquor and i i mean this is written by a friend of yours right? anders thompson is that yeah. yep. and yep. Uh, anders how did this again how did this one come to you because this has like anders, a real hank senior version uh, sound to yeah. it yeah it's very uh so anders thompson and i 
go way back. Anders used to be in this band called the Ex-Husbands that were in the late 90s, early 2000s. Incredible country band. Awesome band. Their first album is still one of my favorite country records. But so Anders and I reconnected after a lot of years and I would just follow him on social media. And he had just kind of retired to Tybee Island, hanging out there and playing music just around there. But he would do this thing where he sat in his truck and would just play some song he was writing. And he saw this video of him playing that song. He, you know, it was so good. I messaged him right away. I was like, is that a cover? Did you write it? And he went, I wrote it. And we were putting material together for this album. And I went, can we please cover it? But without even talking to Kira, I knew. I was like, this is a way more song. You did what? <laughs> so he's like, by all means. So I ran straight home, showed Kira the video. And she was like, holy shit, that's a way more yeah. song. took some liberty with the lyrics and made it more about our personal habits yeah we added the tequila line did we add the cocaine line yeah, i was gonna ask nope. that's, okay. no yeah. and that's anders we had not one of our personal habits i think the only thing we added was the tequila yeah chopped it up into a duet did it pretty much like anders did it uh well it's so funny we have a video for that song coming out on april the 9th yep anders our lead player couldn't make it that day and anders just happened to be in atlanta Oh, wow. Just on some weird, uh, they yeah. were going to a concert. He was or bringing something. his kid to a concert here in Atlanta. And on the uh, day of the video shoot, we sweet talked him into staying an extra day. Yeah. And he got to come be the guitar player in the video. Uh, it's a fun song and it's a way more song all the way, sure. you know. <laughs> and what I love about us, our live show is, man, we can play the slow, you know, heavy, tear jerking country stuff and then play that kind of tongue in cheek, you know, hey, good looking, what you got cooking kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, so when you divide up the verses, how do you decide who, who sang what for the song? Thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't. No, we didn't. We didn't. That one was kind of easy uh, because it started with the I don't like the whiskey line. So we kind of I, I just had always pictured it with you starting it. And then we added the I don't like the or I don't like tequila, but tequila likes me. So in most typical country songs, like country duets, it's a male start and then the female follows. We made an effort on this album to reverse that a couple of times. 
that. You know, this is more thought than we've ever had to put into how that came about <laughs> because it just we just worked so well together yeah. with that. You know, it's just like I'll do this. Well, again, I want to thank you both for your time tonight. So the album's thank coming you. out. Thank you. And where can folks get it? How can they keep up with you? It's the best. So it will find. it will be live on all streaming platforms uh, on Friday the 8th of April um, and yeah so we're at thewaymores.com but on any social media well let me rephrase that on Instagram TikTok and Facebook we're at the waymores on I'm sorry Instagram Facebook and TikTok yeah and then on Twitter we are at t waymores um, and then thewaymores.com you can see all of our tour dates follow us on Spotify and our tour dates are also listed there and I think there's like a merch special something on Spotify as well that our yeah. label did. All right. Well, cool. Well, thank you again. I want to thank Willie and Kira for giving me so much of their time and for being so disarmingly funny and honest and well, just being cool. I don't know how else to put it. Cause that was a hell of an interview. I, I hope to one day get to see them live here in DC or maybe next time I'm in Nashville or actually they're based down in Atlanta. So maybe the next time I'm in Atlanta, which I don't know when that'll be anyway, that's neither here nor there. Go check them out at thewaymores.com. Go get a copy of The Stone Sessions on Spotify or Pandora or however you get music these days. And if you're so inclined, try to pick up a physical copy. Get the CD or the LP because the music just sounds that much better. It is so much more worth it. The artists get more out of it. You get more out of it. Anyway, try and do that if you can. Stay tuned. I got more coming. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you later.